why is it so hard to talk to strangers about Jesus? Like, like I want you to think with me for just a moment, okay? Why is it, and I, I'm talking from a, like the perspective of a pastor. I cannot even imagine what it would be like for you guys. But why is it that it is so hard to talk to strangers about Jesus, to talk to people about the Lord? Like I can, you know, I find myself um, talking to strangers about sports, and it's not that big of a deal. I can talk to people about finances, the stock market, not a big deal. I can talk to people about a TV show, easy. I can handle that. I can talk to people about places to eat, and it's, it's not, it's just natural. But as soon as I'm talking to someone, and the Holy Spirit, God says, you know, He says, talk to them about Jesus. All of a sudden, I become a wimp. And it's kind of embarrassing to admit that to a bunch of people, okay? Oh my goodness, the pastor can't even talk about Jesus. You know what? You know, I don't have a chance. But seriously, why is it so hard to talk to people about Jesus? In exactly four weeks, we're going to have a family fall festival at the Tuttle Circle T Ranch. And over the next four weeks, I'm going to challenge you to invite some friends i'm going to challenge you to possibly even invite some strangers and you know we live in a country man we live in a great country we live in a country where we'll do anything short of sin for a cat you know what i'm talking about have you seen the video this week you haven't you haven't seen the video like we will do anything for it was all over the news. Like, where have you been? If you've missed it, I'll show it to you. I mean, it was on social media. It was everywhere, okay? Some Florida fans, they were trying to rescue this cat. Um, hold, hold on, pause that for a minute. You, you're getting ahead of me. Pause it for a, just a second. Can we pause that? No, there we go. Some Florida fans, um, and I think it was, it's in Miami, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there it is, the, the Hard Rock Stadium. They're, they're yelling, and they're, you know, like crying out. This cat is holding on by two paws, okay? And, okay, let's just go ahead and show it, okay? So go, go ahead, go ahead, you guys can, go ahead. Listen to the fans. The reason why I begin with that is because I love, I love that video. It's, it's, a, it's a glimpse of what I believe heaven is going to be like when someone steps over the line of faith. Next week, we're going to celebrate baptisms. Um, just shameless plug, just to put it out there. And what I love about the video is, by the way, if you have not signed up for baptism, okay, 
uh, I want you to go to our website, lifepointfc.com. Sign up. If you've never been baptized and you feel like, man, I want to do this. It's my own decision. Like I did it when I was a baby. Like my parents baptized me when I was 12. I was just trying to please my mom. If you want to get baptized next week, next week we're going to celebrate. And the reason why I begin, why I begin with that video is because I want our church to be a little bit like that. But not about a cat, about people when they give their life to Christ. So next week, I think there's already like eight people that have signed up for baptism. And I, I love the anticipation. Like, did you hear the fans? Oh, no. Oh, oh, my God. Oh, no. Did you hear them? I mean, they were screaming. And the little guy, you know, he was holding on for dear life with two paws and then just one and then let's go. And then everybody stops breathing for just a moment. Look at what happens. They see, you know, you saw the second clip. You see that the cat made it alive. And, then, you know, it kind of reminds you of Lion King, right? Remember the, you know, he made it. He made it. Why is it, why is it that as a, as a church, as people, we get more excited about a game than about people? I want us to be on fire for Christ. I want us to be on fire for people, for the lost. Just like those fans were, with anticipation, figuring out, man, when, when are they going to give their life to Christ? When are they going to come through? And you're on your knees praying, God, I just, please help me, use me, do whatever it takes for them. Not for a cat, but for other human beings. And so I love the anticipation. I love the excitement when they found out the cat was saved. And so today, what I want us to do is I want to show you how Christ reaches people, okay? We all need, I don't think I'm the only one when I say, man, it's hard to talk to people about Jesus. I don't think I'm the only one. And so today, I think we could use a lesson or two on how to love people who don't know the gospel, people who are not saved, people who may be lost. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. I want to give you a little bit of context, okay? Matthew is one of four gospel writers okay why four you have Matthew Mark Luke and John why does Jesus you know why do you need four people to tell a story of Jesus they all told the same story you know it's it, God did that in a unique way to give us different perspectives okay it's almost like imagine if you're describing a monument right and you're only describing it from the front you only get one perspective but if you move to the side you get another angle if you move to the back you get another angle and so when Christ gave us for when God gives us four gospels the story of Jesus the reason behind that is so that we can get an entire picture a whole picture of who Christ is Matthew Matthew the writer the author of what the verses that we're going to read here in a minute is one of those four gospel writers but this verses Matthew 9 9 is very unique because Matthew is talking about himself Okay, so Matthew, the, re the verses that we're going to read today, Matthew is talking about Matthew. Matthew's talking about how he came to know Christ, how God made a difference in his, his life forever. And so let me tell you two things that you may not know about Matthew. Matthew dealt with the fear of poverty. What's the fear of poverty? The fear of poverty tells you that you will never have enough resources for, to fulfill your basic human needs. Sometimes we have the same fear in our lives. 
You know, like God's provided for you. You have a roof over your head. You've been able to eat. You have clothes, you know, like that you can wear. And yet at times we have the same fear and we wonder if God's going to take care of us or not. It's, it's this fear of poverty uh, where the enemy puts doubt in your mind whether you'll make it or not, whether you'll have enough or not, whether you'll be satisfied or not. The second fear that he dealt with is the fear of rejection. The fear of rejection, the fear of disappointment. Is that, that's the fear that like, like nobody wants to pick, be picked last, right? Like you're playing a game, they're picking, you know, choosing teams. Nobody wants to be the last one picked. Matthew dealt with the fear of rejection. Nobody wants to be rejected. You're dating someone, man, you're kind of falling in love. You don't know, and you know, and it's like, I just don't. And it's, it's, it's a really difficult situation because trust hasn't been built and none of us want to be rejected. Matthew dealt with that. By the way, let me give you just a, a principle that, that transfers. Okay, wherever you got, you go wherever, whichever part of the world, you know, you could be in Europe, you can be in South Africa, you can be in the north-south. This principle transfers. If you want to lead people, I want you to remember this real quick. It's kind of a side note, all right? Everybody, people, wherever you're at, transferable principle, people want to be known, People want to feel needed. Wherever you go, if you want to lead people well, you need to know that. Put that in your mind, right? Like, make, make sure it sticks. Like, people, everybody, they want to be known. They want to feel like they're needed. And if you want a, a bonus, they want to be heard. Everybody, wherever you go, okay? So how do I know that Matthew dealt with the fear of poverty and rejection? Well, he was a traitor to the Jewish nation, did you know that? Matthew was a traitor to the Jewish nation. And in this day and age, when this was written, Rome ran the world. They would sell the rights to tax. And so what people would do, some people would do, they were called tax collectors. Matthew was one of them. They would go and they would tax people, right? But they would tax a little bit more, pocket some of the money for their own you know expenses for their own you know for i guess you could call it personal gain and as long as rome got their cut as long as they got their part like everything was cool all right but he was considered a thief he was considered a traitor to the jewish nation that's how i know he was dealing with the fear of poverty with the fear of not having enough with the fear of Rejection. Think of an American giving his allegiance to the Taliban on the anniversary, in the 20-year anniversary of 9-11. That's who we're dealing with. You understand? Matthew is not a saint. He is a traitor. Okay, say that word with me. Say traitor. 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 Okay, so Matthew is a traitor. He's a thief. Now, like I told you last week, there's nothing that we can do that, to put us outside of the reach of God's grace, right? And I want you to see for the next few minutes the heart of Christ with this individual. So Matthew telling his story about himself, how he, get, how good, he got to know Christ. Verse 9 says this, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a, a man named Matthew. So is Matthew talking about Matthew. Sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Verse 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests. Along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Say the word sinners. 
Many, it says. Verse 11. But when the Pharisees saw this, the Pharisees are the religious leader of the day, okay? These, these are the scholars of the day. These are the preachers of the day. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. So he's telling the Pharisees, go learn the scriptures. These are people who, who they thought that they knew the Old Testament. They thought they knew the Hebrew scriptures. And Jesus says, go learn. Go learn. You know, you, have not, you don't know enough. He's challenging them. Go learn the meaning of this scripture. And he quotes. He says, this is a quote from the Old Testament. I want, to show, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. He's quoting the Old Testament. I want to show you mercy, not offer sacrifices. Kind of leaves that hanging there for them. For I have come to call not those who think they're righteous. I have come to call not those who think they're righteous. I have come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. Let's pray. Father God, I pray for the next few minutes that you give us a heart after your heart. God, I pray you'd help me communicate your truth, Lord. God, help me remove me like... God, I just I pray that you just remove me from the picture and I pray that Jesus, I pray that our people would see Jesus, God, that they would see you, that they would see your heart. God, I just pray that, Lord, that you would help us not to be just going to church, but to be the church. God, we dedicate the next few minutes to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew does something that's super interesting. He gives us insight and to how Jesus reached the lost, okay? And he's talking about himself. He considered himself lost. By now, you know, he's writing the gospel. He's been transformed. But the first thing that he says, it's interesting. He says, it says the very first verse in verse 9, it says, as Jesus was walking along. Think about it. As Jesus was walking along, Matthew gives us insight into this. As he was walking along, this is like if you're going to go after people, if you're going to reach people, if you're going to pursue them with the gospel, this is not like a 12-step program that you do. It's not something like you sign up. This is not a program. This is not an event. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to promote the fall, Family Fall Festival here in a minute. But, but this is not an event. This is who you are. If you're going to have a heart for the lost, this is part of what you do every day. You don't just do it, you know, October 16th is when the Family Fall Fest is. It's not just a one-day event. No, it is, it is daily. It is like you wake up thinking about this. You go to bed thinking about this. When you're going to work, like you're thinking about the lost. Like, how can I reach them? You have a heart for them. You, you have a burden for their spiritual well-being. Like, you, you, you're concerned about their destiny. And you, you want to reach them, and you're going to do it as you go on the go does that make sense as Jesus was walking along this is who he was it's not something that not not a class as he was doing life this is what he did Matthew gives us insight into that so I have a, a question for you by the way let me just kind of say this for those of you you may be new to our church and so I just first time or whatever today um you know as a pastor sometimes you bring 
messages that are inspirational, okay? Um, like that's like nine out of ten times, like that's just what I, I'm, I'm an encourager, that's just my gift. You know, I love to encourage you, I love to, to, um, to be your spiritual cheer, cheerleader, okay? But there are times when you have to bring a message that's a challenge in, you know? Like there are times when people say, uh, when, when people tell me, man, you, just, you stepped on my toes, and I know what they're saying. They're encouraging me. They're, they're, um, they're saying, man, that was a good message, and I, I get it. But I'm like, I'm thinking of this message, and I was like, no, you, if you think I was stepping on your toes, then wait until you, you hear this message, because I'm going to be stepping on your toes now. So this message, I, I want, just want you to know, in case you don't know me, don't judge me so, so quickly. Just want you to know, I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to get in your face a little bit. I'm going to step some toes, okay? So here's a question that I have for you. When it comes to reaching people with the gospel, do you seek to evade or do you embrace responsibility? When, you, when you're reaching people with the gospel, do you seek to evade or do you embrace responsibility? Are you the person that comes up with excuses or do you own the calling that God has given us? You know, at, at LifePoint, we... We don't call our, our people that are committed to the vision of life when we don't call ourselves members because members have rights. We call ourselves owners because we own the mission that Christ has given us. So I, I have a question for you. Do you, are you like the type of person that says, oh no, no, that, that's for the pastor and for missionaries. That's not for me. Do you seek to evade or do you embrace the responsibility? Do you have a heart? For the loss. It kind of reminds me of a story of the pastor. New guy, young, goes into this church. The previous pastor was leaving, and uh, the guy says, says, I've left you three envelopes. They're in your office. And, um, and whenever you run into problems, like, go after them. And they were labeled one, two, and three. So the young guy says, thank you so much to the older pastor. He leaves, and then he starts pastoring. You know, he starts doing his thing. About a couple of months go by, and uh, he runs into problems. People start complaining. They start saying this and that. And it's like, oh, I don't know what to do. So he runs to his office, opens up the drawer, opens up the, the envelope, and there's a letter, and it says, blame me. In other words, blame your predecessor. So the young guy starts blaming the previous pastor. Man, the reason why we're in such a mess is this other guy. The reason why this is going on like this is this. And he just goes on this whole campaign, just blaming the, the last guy, the last pastor, okay? And then after a while, people kind of, you know, just stop complaining. A few more months pass by, about six months later, runs into another, another problem, runs to his office, pulls out in the drawer, gets envelope two, and it says, blame the leadership team. Just blame them. And the guy goes into a whole complaint, just blaming everybody. The reason why we're in such a mess is a leadership team. I mean, you should see. They come, and they get together, and they're not even praying, and this, and all that. And everything kind of settles after a little while. Not long enough, he runs into another problem. And he runs to his office, gets the third envelope, the last one. And it, and it, it says... It says, prepare three envelopes. In other words, for those of you who did not get it, <laughs> prepare your resignation letter, basically. You get it? All right. You can only go so long with making up excuses and blaming others. And so are you the person that seeks to embrace responsibility or you just kind of shift blame there are people, and I want to say this in love, there are people that God is putting in your path 
because they need Jesus. You hear me? There are people, you will be able to do things, you will be able to say things to people that I'll never have a chance to. There are people that God is putting in your path for you to tell them about Jesus and God is setting up all the right environments, all the right situations and you're focusing so much on your problems, so much on this junk that you're dealing with that you're, you're just on this level. You're very earthly minded, not very spiritually minded and you're not saying anything to them about the Lord. You're not, you're not building a relationship with them because they're getting on your nerves and God's putting them there because they need Jesus. And so I'll give you a practical way to, to promote the church and to promote people like the Family Fall Fest. You know, it's coming October 16. I mean, and, I mean, and that's great. But that's just an event. That's not who you are. And so what I'm challenging you, and I'm going to challenge you for four weeks, okay, is to, to use whatever God puts in your path to build relationships with people as you go, on the go, to share the gospel you know so fall fast man it's going to be i mean like incredible free event if you're trying to build relationship with the family this is a great time to get together it's a great time to invite them i mean we'll have fireworks and free food and there's a promo that will go live after the service i want you to share that take those flyers and pass them out i mean like it's up it's up to you it's up to me. In fact, let me show you that the little promo. Can we put can we put can we play it real quick? Let me show you. This is gonna go live. I want you guys to share this, okay? For a month we're gonna be promoting this. It's at the tell you. yeah let's give it up man so what we're doing as a church it's just an event okay but what i'm challenging you to do you know this is a great way to connect with someone in a just a non-churchy setting okay like we're gonna be giving away chick-fil-a for a year we're gonna you know we're gonna have pet and zoo we're gonna have all the funds fireworks i mean it's gonna be a great event for you to enjoy for you to bring your families but i want i don't want you to i don't want you to get lost in the this is not an event that we're putting on for you this is an event that we want to put on for our community and so my hope is that you, would, that you would have a desire to build relationships with people that would, man, hey, come on, come on with me. Let's go to the, the Fall Fest thing. And it's something that's adding value to them. Like the kids, when they do their games, they're gonna get a token. At the end of the night, they're gonna be able to redeem their token for a dollar for each token. They're gonna be able to just have fun. They're gonna be able to just get together. Um, Randy's band is gonna be playing. And so, what I, but it's up to us. It's up to us because we can put the best event ever, right? And go down the drain. Spend a bunch of money and it not work. 
And so what we're trying to do as a church is understand the church exists for the world. I want you to come, enjoy it, bring your family, let's have fun, you know, petting food, you know, petting zoo, face painting, like all of that stuff, fun, 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 yeah. But the mindset for us is, Lord, who could I bring? Who could I invite? So I can just hang out. It's an excuse to hang out with them for a couple of hours so that I can begin to have a little bit more relationship with them so I can have a little bit like my, the relational equity increase. But it's up to you. Do you seek to evade or, or do you embrace responsibility when it comes to sharing the gospel? Look in verse 9. It says, as Jesus was walking along, as he's doing life, he, what's the next word? He what? Help me out. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. He saw the traitor. That's what Jesus saw. He's sitting at his tax collector's booth. The guy who gave allegiance to Rome. He saw the thief, the guy who would pocket his money. And he would steal money from the Jews. But you know what else he saw? He saw an opportunity. And when you see people in the office, and when you see people that, oh man, I'm so sick of them, and they're the gossip and this and that, and you know, I want you to see beyond the sin. I want you to see the opportunity because when Christ, when it says that he saw him, he didn't just see the traitor. He didn't see the, just the tax collector. He saw beyond the sin, beyond the mess. He saw an opportunity. Jesus saw one of his disciples. He saw one of the gospel writers. He saw a guy that one day, a bunch of people would, 2,000 years later, would be learning and be inspired by his story. And so when you see people, I want you to see beyond the mess and the sin. And so here's what I wrote down on my notes. I want to, let's put it on the screen. Jesus, let's put the next one on the screen. Jesus takes a risk and says, come follow me. Jesus takes a risk and he says to Matthew, the tax collector, he says, come follow, come follow me, come follow me. You know what he's doing? He's saying, come with all of your baggage. That's what he's telling Matthew. He's saying, come with, with all of your reputation. Like, we know, everybody knows who you are. We know what you've been doing. We know what you're up to. People don't like you. We know that, you know, you, your allegiance is to Rome. Come follow me come follow me when you do that you know what you're doing you're taking a risk when you ask someone to come follow you it's it's risky you don't know how it's going to turn out you don't know if you're going to pour yourself into somebody and then just waste your time you don't know how they're going to react to the gospel you don't know like you invite him to church and then the pastor has his message it's about giving you know right like the worst time to invite someone to church when the pastor is talking about money, right? And that'll be your luck. You finally, you've been working for eight months on somebody and they show up and know what the pastor's message is. You know, it's all on tithing. It's like, no, you don't know. You don't know. You're taking a risk. You don't think Jesus was taking a risk? When he tells Matthew, come, follow me. I'm about to start a movement course he was taking a risk it reminds me of the story 
of the African king who, um, this guy, African king, had a friend, uh, really good buddies, and they would go hunting. And um, every year, a couple of times a year, they would go hunting. And this time, uh, the friend loads up his gun. And by the way, the friend had the saying, um, this is good. When something would happen, he would say that phrase, this is good. Um, and there it is. You guys give it up for our media team. A couple of minutes late, but it's all good. We got it up there. Let's, let's leave that up there for a minute. All right. So this king goes with his friend. They go hunting. His friend is known for saying the phrase, this is good. This is good. All right. Good or bad, this is good. Okay. And, you know, whether it was a good situation or a bad situation. So they go hunting. The friend loads up the gun, but he loads it the wrong way. The king goes to pull, pulls the trigger, and the thing blows off like his thumb blows, you know, just blows it off. The king gets so mad, he's hurting, and the friend says, you know it, this is good. The king gets even madder, and he's like, why do you mean this is good? Sends him to jail, puts him in prison. Takes him a year for the, the, um, the king's hand to get better, to heal. So he can't go hunting for a year. So about a year later, he goes hunting. But this time, the friend is still in jail. This time, he goes to an area that he shouldn't be traveling. It's in Africa. So there's a place where there's this tribe. There were cannibals, um, in, like cannibals, like and it's like not the place to be hunting, but the king didn't listen. He's hunting. Sure enough, the people from the village come, capture him. They take him to the stake, and they're going to sacrifice him. This is the king, you know. This is like, you know, our gods gave, him, gave us this. So they tie him up. They're going to burn him, okay? And one of the people from the tribe notices that the king is missing his thumb, and being the superstitious people that they were, it's like, we cannot sacrifice a person that's not whole. And so they untie him, let him go. The king goes, whew. On his way home, he thinks, my friend was right. This is good. This is good. <laughs> he goes to his prison, to where his friend was, and he's like, I'm so sorry. Tells him the story. You were right. It was good. If I would have had my thumb, I would have been dead by now. But I'm so sorry, he says. I am so sorry that you, that, that I put you here for a year, you know, over a year, whatever the time was. And his friend once again says, this is good. And the king goes, what? Like, you're crazy. What do you mean? This is good. It says, if, um, if you wouldn't have put me, put me in jail, I would have been with you and I would have been the one sacrificed, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I tell you that to say this. Uncertainty is unavoidable. When you, ask, when you make the ask, and this is a lesson for life, right? You just never know. You never know. Go after people. Tell them, come, follow me. We're going to put this together. Hey, I will, I'll pay for lunch. Come, let's go to church together. You, have them, you should bring your family to church. Our church is a little bit different. They'll love you. They won't judge you. They're not going to point fingers. 
okay come let's do this man it's this family fall fest it's free your kids are going to have a chance to get tokens and they're going to redeem them for a dollar i mean they're going to have a blast they're going to have this horse riots and this and all of that and, and you'll have the flyers and with all the information come follow me like you don't know you don't know how things are going to go but that's just life we just don't know how life is going to be what i'm challenging you to do is just make the ask anyway jesus the Bible says he saw Matthew with all of his imperfections. He, number two, asked Matthew to follow him. He made the ask. He made the invite, okay? And number three, and I'll close with this, Jesus went with Matthew. Listen to this. In order for you to ask people to follow you, you have to be willing to go where they're at. You hear me? In order for you to be brave enough and say, come, follow me, you better, before you say those words, you better have the guts to go where they're at. Look at the verse. Verse 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with what? Along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, when the preachers of the day, when the Bible scholars, when the Sunday school teachers, when the, the good, the, the holier-than-thou people, when they saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Why is he hanging out with those people? You know what I love about my Savior? It's one thing I love. I add, when you read the Gospels, I love this about Jesus. Love this about my Savior. Jesus liked people who were nothing like him. And people who were nothing like him liked him. I want to be like that. And I know it's messy, and I know it's not easy. And when you're hanging out with a crowd that you don't know how to relate to, and they do things that you don't agree with, and they have a different... Don't you think that these people had a different set of standards? I mean, I'm sure they wore different clothes. I'm sure their, their language was not like yours. I'm sure there were things that, that, that they were saying, jokes that they probably told, and you're like, eh, don't like that. I'm sure there were standards that Jesus and his disciples probably considered wrong, and still they inserted themselves. They went. They went. And so let me ask you, have you ever... Have you ever been put in a, in a position where it's just uncomfortable? Maybe just a business meeting or a business party, and it's just like, ah, they're drinking, and they're, you know, they're, like, saying jokes, and they're just like, and you just, man, this is not who I am. It's not, like, I'm not, like, so, so worldly. You know, I, I want to give you a spiritual tip, okay? Like, maybe it's, maybe it's a, in college, and you're like, man, I just don't like this thing. It's a classroom setting, or it's work-related function, or maybe a, a family get-together, and you just don't like those people, and it's like, no, no, why, why, why? Here's a, a little spiritual tip for you. Whenever you find in situations like that, when you feel uncomfortable, and you know what I'm talking about, you're just like, ah, this is hard. I want you to say this. I want you to pray this. Just ask God, Lord, who am I here for? 
Lord, who, you brought me to this place. I'm in this, it's a little bit messy. I don't know how to handle it. It's a little bit challenging for me, but God, please help me. Who, what, who, who in the crowd? Like why do, because there's gotta be a purpose for my life. You put me in this situation and I'm not really sure I'm comfortable with it and I don't have all the, the answers, but God, why? Like who, show me. I wanna see the way you were able to see. I want to see beyond the mess, beyond the, the dislikes that I have for the person. Help me, Lord. Jesus said, healthy people don't need a doctor. The sick people do. He tells the Bible scholars, go, learn the meaning of this scripture. And he quotes Hosea 6, 6, which says, basically, I want to show, I want you, God, in the Old Testament, telling them, I want you to learn to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Old Testament, they were all known for the sacrifices. And God says to them, I want you to learn to show mercy, show mercy. That same verse is also found in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. You can, I can also take you to Micah chapter 6, verse 6 and 8. I mean, it's all over the Old Testament. God showing us to show mercy and Jesus says go learn some things and so as we wrap up this morning I just with heads bowed and eyes closed I'm going to ask our worship team to to get on stage but Jesus put himself in situations like that because he cared and he went where the fish were he went where like the lost people were and as a church, we need to learn to do the same thing. Let me say this one thing. Look up there real quick. I just want to say, kind of close with this real quick. There was a, an old man flying a kite at a park. And he was flying the kite super high. You know, you could barely see it. A little bit cloudy that day. And one of the kids in the park says, how do you know that your kite is still there? Because there was a cloud. You couldn't really see it. How do you know that it's still there? And the old man said, every once in a while, I feel the tug. Every once in a while, I feel the tug. So let me ask you, do you ever feel the tug? Do you ever, does ever, God ever say, you know, and he has to speak to you individually, right? Like it's not something that I can force on you. It's something that God, Spirit, if you're a Jesus follower, will say, speak to them. Share with them the gospel invite them to church and, and you I mean it can be done in so many different ways right so with heads bowed and eyes closed do you feel the tug from God the church exists for the world we are the church the church doesn't exist for me church doesn't exist to to please me to cater to me one of our core values we're spiritual contributors we're not spiritual consumers so how is your heart for people? No, no, really, really. Like, if, you've, if I've lost you, like, how is your heart for people? I found that often the condition of my heart is similar to, like, the grass in, in, in my backyard. And sometimes in the middle of the summer, it's a little dry. There's spots that are dying. Other parts are good. There's grass that's thick, and it's good, and it's healthy. There's other, other areas that I need to pay attention to a little bit more how is your heart for people is it moist is it tender is it getting dry you've done church for so long that you're just kind of like 
You just do your thing. You check your boxes. You tithe. You show up to church. You serve. Nothing wrong with those things. But you know, you know your heart is it's kind of it's dried up. It's, it's dusty. It's cracked up. It's not what it used to be. You used to love reaching people. But now life has gotten in the way. You have kids. You're busy. The schedule, this, that. And so how many of you would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? How many of you would raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me? I see that hand. I see that hand all over online. How many of you would say, pray for me, Pastor, pray for me? Let us know. Text the word Jesus to our number. Pray for me. Pray for me. I want to be like Jesus. I want to see people like the way he saw Matthew. With all of their potential. A gospel writer. That's who he saw. They were going to name cathedrals after him. He was, through his writings, they were going to, people were going to get to know the hope of the world. That's what Jesus saw. He didn't see the tax collector. God, I want to be like you. I want to ask people to come follow me as I, as I follow God, Lord. Like, come follow me as I, like what Paul prayed, right? Come follow me as I follow Christ. Lord, help us all to go just the way math, just the way you went to Matthew's party. Help us to go, God, and not be afraid and embrace the uncertainty and embrace the uncomfortable feelings. God, my prayer today is that this message will not fall on dead ears. God, may we take, we got a month, a month till we do this family fall festival, God. My prayer is that our people would move like that crowd with anticipation about, oh no, is he going to make it? Is he going to make it? Oh no, he's hanging by a thread. She's hanging by a thread. They just got a divorce. Oh, they're addicted to this. Their finances are, God, please use me, God, God. And then they make it like next week across the line of faith and with excitement we celebrate. God, may we be like those fans and have a heart for people, have a heart for the lost. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.